0: so cool started recording mm-hmm. all right thank Do you amber warmed up yeah definitely <laughs> with the coffee and everything thank you for doing yeah. this this morning that's okay that's the coffee mm-hmm. it's awesome well, all, all it of these have started over coffee and they're you know so far so good so yeah. I think coffee's a must with these
1: <laughs> they go hand in
0: hand oh pretty much coffee and yeah. conversation uh-huh. so just what we were talking about really if you could talk to your 12 year old self what would you say so
1: I was talking about talking to my 20-year-old self just before. 12-year-old, mm. um, I don't know, because that's... Again, I found a recording from when I was about that age Yeah. as well. I've, it's funny how, yeah, I've got a few recordings of different times in my life where I've just recorded myself or someone else has. And I found one from when I was, yeah, about 11 or 12 at school. Um And I think what I'd say to myself is probably don't identify yourself so much with your achievements because that was really a big focus for me around that time. Like Mm -hmm. it still kind of is in a way, like I still have to bust out of that when I can. It's like you build your identity up around what you've achieved. Mm -hmm. And, And then if you don't achieve, it's this feeling of oh well i 'm not who I think I am i'm not that person i'm not good enough or whatever it is, so I, I guess it all comes back to that being good enough idea yeah
0: yeah,
1: but I'd say that I would say that to my 12 year old self like don't worry so much about what you do and don't achieve, yeah, just enjoy being you for whatever that is you know yeah
0: so I, yeah you were like because you were into performing arts and then, piano and everything back then as well too yeah yeah, yeah. I think there's have I've seen like old videos of you playing piano and just being a spaz and like I always identify with that too I'm just like because when you used to babysit me and stuff as well I'd just be like we just had the best time because it was yeah. everyone else was really primed and proper and you were like ready to have fun and just be silly bugger and it was yeah. just always such a good time yeah, yeah.
1: yes I, I liked that actually yeah. I never wanted to be like, I remember at that age, not wanting to really be an adult either. You know, like, I was interested in being grown up at that yeah. at that point. Yeah. Because all the adults would be sitting around the table talking about grown up stuff. Yeah. And I didn't want to be a part of that then. Yeah. I just wanted to still have fun. Yeah. But I think there was always this... And it still is a theme in my life, honestly. I don't think you outgrow it. I think maybe... I talk about this with some of my friends. Like, cause, you know, we're on a similar tangent. And it's like that... Tension between just wanting to be silly and spontaneous and let it all go and all that, be a hippie and move to some move to Byron or whatever. Yeah, that was always my backup plan. <laughs> yeah, but but at the same time, having this real focus on that you've got to achieve, you've got to you know.
0: Yeah, make a name for yourself.
1: Yeah, do get get this done, get this yeah yeah accomplished. Then um, no, it's not a bad thing entirely, but it's just you don't have to hang so much of your Sense of self around what you achieve. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. I would say so. Yeah, twelve-year-old self wouldn't have thought of it that way. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, what did you? What do you wish more people were aware of? Mm. that's a really tricky one. <sighs> Just mm. like day to day to kind of take take a bit of the weight off.
1: Hmm. uh Probably, like I know this has probably been said lots of times by, you know, in, in lots of conversations, but just not worrying about how your actions or your decisions so much come across to others. Because most people are completely wrapped up in themselves. Like they're, you know, they're, they're worried about what they're doing. Mm. They're 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 in their little bubble. They're trying to do their bit in life and get through what they're trying to get through. They're not... We're not sort of looking at other people as much with judgment as what you think. Yeah. Um, And it feels like... I, I, I often feel like you're getting judged all the time. Like if you put something out there and, you know, whatever feedback you get is some sort of judgment on you. But I th- I don't think that's the case. I think people aren't actually as worried about what you do as you think. Yeah. So...
0: I think... And the judgment is probably... Misconstrued envy, yeah, as well. <laughs> I, I do, yeah, I don't,
1: I don't know, but like, and I think some of it's not even judgment. It's you know, it's just in your head yeah. that you think people are judging you.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so I think like the best thing is when I and I still fall into that trap. So I just try not to, whatever decisions I'm making, whatever I'm doing, I try not to let opinions of other people so much determine that. Like, I just, you know, yeah. do it for yourself or, yeah, that yeah. might sound very general. But no,
0: that's good because I'm looking for, like, reoccurring themes as well. Like,
1: mm.
0: you should... This assume...
1: is research, what you're doing.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's it. What...
1: You're doing, like, qualitative research right <laughs> Yeah, now. I hope so. So, you've got all this data. Yeah. If you're doing a thesis, you could analyse it all and write up a thesis about it. I mean, who knows? <laughs> Sky's the limit. <laughs> you might get there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: it. Um... What's a common excuse that you often hear others use?
1: Common excuse. Um, mm, oh, God. Well it doesn't have to be common, just mm. an
0: excuse you've heard and you're like, oh, that's an excuse.
1: I don't know if it's an excuse so much. I guess it is, but I don't know how you'd phrase it, but just getting outside of safety. Mm. Whatever's safe, people often will gravitate to that. Yeah, yeah. Whether that's, and I'm thinking probably more with career choices because I've been through a you know, my own career choices, and most of the feedback... Okay, so when I made a big decision to leave what I was doing, which was teaching, to go back and study again...
0: Yeah, do you want to just give a little rundown of what you are doing at the moment, so people can get, like, a bit of insight into Uh, where your head's at at the moment?
1: Okay, so I'm sort of um, teaching at university, but I'm coming out of a primary school teaching background and decided after being a primary school teacher... But I wanted to go back and do research and in education because I always sort of had this idea that, you know, um, I think it is my best fit to be doing research. It's the best thing for me to do with Mm. with the way that I think and the way that I work. That suits me better than working in a a school context as much as I love that. Like it was beautiful, but just so different to how I would normally think. Um, So... Yeah, when I made the decision to leave teaching and and I was, you know, leaving a very secure position. I mean, people don't lose their jobs in the department very easily. So I could have been home and hosed for the rest of my life. But I thought, no, I want to go and do this research now and and see if I can fulfill this, you know, this goal. Because if I leave it any longer, I might not have the the guts to do it later. I might get too entrenched in whatever I'm doing and... Or too restricted with finances or whatever to to be able to do that.
0: Yeah, and how did you make that like tough decision, obviously, because you did have you had all this safety and all this kind of right there, the yeah, job. Like yeah, I have a dream job. Like yeah. honestly,
1: when I got that job with the department, I, I was on top of the world yeah. when I got that job. I was really like it was all this hard work that had paid off to get that phone call, like wow. Um, so that was amazing Uh, and I couldn't have said no to that like I had to see how I went and just jump in yeah but in the end um, there were a few things that led up to it but one of the biggest things was just having that realization of where I've heard people say this before like go with where your strengths are and I remember we were doing some professional learning one day at school and we had to do all this reading before we attended the seminar so, reading some you know research papers and stuff, and then we'd come back and talk about unpack that reading and talk about it in a critical sort of way and I just remember when I was doing that um and it would been you know over twelve months since I'd read anything like that, and I just had that feeling of excitement again, like yeah. reading through these research journals articles, like, oh my God, I love this stuff, I love thinking about the theory and the philosophies and all that sort of thing, um, and most people that's what they don't like yeah. you know, when they're going through uni they don't like all that side of it it gets them down that's the, that's the sort of stuff that I really loved so when I was reading it again and getting back into that space it just I felt like wow this is um this is just me yeah <laughs> I can't really explain it
0: yeah no that's cool though but it was
1: like an excited feeling um and then, and just little by little, I started thinking, oh, yeah, I did want to look into that and maybe go down that pathway. So, yeah, just the seed just grew and yeah. um, made some inquiries at uni, went and talked to a potential supervisor, and she kind of put me in the right direction for more reading and um, just lots of, yeah, little small things that happened that all led to that decision. Yeah. And one of the biggest ones as well, Another another instance was... At the time I was seeing a psychologist, um, a couple, of you know, as we do when we want to deal with things that are quite large, Yeah. and I was talking to the psych, and um, she was lovely, and I said to her, I'm really in a predicament right now, like, I don't know what to do, I feel really stuck. Um, I've got this great job, and I feel so grateful to have it, but at the same time I've got this a really inquisitive side that I just want to see where I can go with, with um, research. And and she said to me, You know, when you just told me about what you want to do, she said, Your whole face and eyes and everything just lit up. Like mm. you, you just came to life.
0: Yeah, wow.
1: So she said, I, I have an inkling that maybe that's what you need <laughs> to be doing. And that really helped me as well. Like yeah. sometimes just to get someone else's perspective that. Yeah, that that could be the right thing for you. Yeah. You
0: know? Um, yeah. Yeah, and it's just, I don't know, it can help so much just to, I don't know, have someone to bounce that off. Mm. Just, that, I, I find that, yeah, psychologists often get like this strange rap, but it's, it's usually the really small stuff that they say that really hits you. They don't give you like these big plans and all these no. like out there ideas. They're kind of just like, Look when you said that—that that your whole, yeah, you, your whole persona changed. Or like, yep. mm-hmm. look at the way you're talking now, than rather than when we were talking about that, and yeah. you just go, "Oh yeah, yeah." I, like they just mirror back to you exactly what you gave to them, basically, and it's just, yeah, yeah I love you. That.
1: Wouldn't have had you wouldn't have seen yourself. Yeah, you know, you can't. You're not observing yourself to know. Yeah, yeah, what's going on really from the outside?
0: And they're like from complete neutral ground. They don't really know you outside of this setting or whatever. But they're mm. just. They're just telling you how it is. It's yeah. just no bullshit. It's just yeah.
1: And I think, you know, like all the normal things are just because you're saying what are the biggest ex- biggest excuses for not doing things. And so at that time, the biggest thing that was playing in my head was the danger, danger. What if you yeah, fail? What if you don't what if this doesn't work? You yeah. know, you've left something and then you fall on your ass. Like what are you going to do then? And and other people saying that to me as well. Like, I had quite a few people say to me, oh, don't leave that job. No, don't you throw that job in. That's, yeah. oh, no, you know. So putting that fear into you of, yeah. but you're leaving a safety net. Like, you can't do that. Yeah. And, I don't know, I kind of just said, oh. Don't look, leave the shire. Yeah. No, like, that, like, the that classic, sort of, don't
0: go on an adventure. Yeah. <laughs> don't go out there. The world's a dangerous place. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah.
1: It's. Seems like it's... A, and it is dangerous. I remember for months after I made that choice, you know, for about four months, um, I went into a state of what I'd call probably anxiety. Like, just, yeah. what? Yeah. What have I done? I'm and it just... was
0: probably induced by all the anxious people who were kind of trying to guide you yeah. in their own well-meaning yeah. way. But...
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, other people just... That's the thing about anxiety. It spreads like a plague. It
1: does. Someone's it,
0: got it and they'll uh, quiver it, it into you and it's like that... And Ooh, then you
1: pick it up and you think that's how you're feeling. Yeah,
0: the, the shakiness of an anxious person. That's yeah, like, oh, it's pretty basic. Oh, it's it's like really a, oh it's, it freaks me out. <laughs> I know a lot of anxiety-ridden people, and yeah, it can just infect you, and you got to like shake it out yeah. or something. Oh, yeah,
1: I think a lot of feelings are really contagious, like that. A lot of states of you know, yeah, being a contagious. Yeah. But, but yeah, I think that... Um, and the anxiety thing, it, it did go away. It gradually subsided. It was just that initial feeling of, wow, I'm completely out of my comfort zone now. Yeah. I've got no safety net. Um, this is it, you know? You've got to make it work or that's it. Yeah. And I didn't give myself a plan B. I yeah. I was like, nah, there's no plan B.
0: That's you, a great you're idea. You're just going to do it. Yeah.
1: And so I'm still, still working through it, but I'm getting there. Yeah.
0: And I guess... <laughs> Like, this leads to the next question. Like, is that, was that a surprise? Do you think that it did kind of all work out?
1: Yeah, and in the first phases, yes. It kind of just flowed. Yeah, Everything flowed, for, I'd say, for the first two years. And I've been doing it now. for This is my fourth year because so I'm doing it part-time. So um, for the first two years, everything just opened up. All these doors opened up. I met the right people. You meet people in the field who were you know really pivotal in what you're doing and yeah
0: um would you call those like almost synchronicities yeah they were
1: they really it was really synchronistic the way it all kind of unfolded
0: yeah
1: and sometimes i'd be pinching myself thinking, what like how how has this happened
0: yeah
1: oh my god that's
0: the freakiest thing but it's like oh it's so good
1: yeah but then shortly after that like you go through that little that i I don't know if you'd call it a honeymoon, but it's that, yeah, you notice all the synchronicities and you think, yes, I'm on the right track. Great, great, great. Getting the green lights. And then you'll meet with the boulder. Yeah. Or maybe three boulders. Because it's
0: like the universe catches that you're onto it and it goes, oh, it's gone a bit too easy for you. I'll just give you a bit of a slip and slide. I'll give you a good old banana peel on the Mario Kart track. You know?
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's it. It's not going to go smoothly, even if you are on the right path. You, it's not going to be smooth the whole way. Yeah, and like, I guess for a little while I thought it might. I thought maybe I'd been lucky enough that oh, I might have. I see. It's I might good. have missed all those bits. Yeah, <laughs> but no, I can assure you that uh, there's been plenty of challenges as well.
0: Yeah, kind of like the two steps forward, one step back. Yes. Yeah, mentality type thing. Yep. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Um. So, what's the best way you feel? to motivate yourself mm. like when you know you've got this massive day ahead mm. is it like a strain on you or
1: not so much with massive days Um yeah I don't know like I'm trying to think I don't know these days I try not to think too much about what I have to do like I just do it you know mm. Um the quicker you can just get into something and just get it started as they say like first comes the action then comes the Motivation. Yeah. I think sometimes you sit around waiting to feel that motivation before you start something. Yes. Waiting to feel inspired, waiting to feel like you're ready. But actually, I think it's the other way around for most times for me. Like yeah. You just don't think about it, just start it, and then the motivation will come.
0: I think that's one of the most misunderstood things is like people feel like that it's going to be like, oh, I'll just think of that thing and I'll be motivated. It's like you're not going to move. You've just got to move. Like, yeah yeah like the um the momentum i guess but that was the thing that i just thought for ages i'm like oh i'm just not motivated so i can't do it yeah and it's like just start with something small It's like just put the washing on or something and it's like just doing that little thing it's like oh god that was easy that was and it's washing and it's done yeah like (laughs) i was looking at that for two days going i was washing in the yeah like and it's just yeah something so small but it's yeah the action first and then the motivation kind of picks itself up yeah, through the action. Yeah. It just builds yeah. up.
1: And I've, I've noticed that lately with um like on a different um aspect I've been yeah doing early morning training sessions with yeah. with a coach and at a gym and and that's all out of my comfort zone. Even the style of training is completely out of my comfort zone Yeah, like it's wow. different to what I've been doing. Um but the early morning thing of getting up straight away and just going to your session without you know, haven't had my coffee, haven't had, haven't had breakfast, haven't woken up properly. And I'm not used to, to functioning that way. Yeah. But I find it's actually really effective because you've got less time in the day to think. Yeah. Oh, I've got training later this afternoon. Oh, no, I'm too tired. Oh, no, this is going to... I've got to do this instead. You know, you if you do it later in the Arbo sometimes, you'll make all these other excuses why yeah, you can't exactly. do it. But if it's first thing in the morning, you don't have time to think about it. Yeah. You just get up and go. And then before you know it you're halfway through the session and you're like oh wow this is yeah. this actually feels really
0: good and then that way you get to start your day with this rush of endorphins yes and you've got this warm fuzzy like feeling that you just carry on throughout the day then yeah rather than if you do your activity in the afternoon like i always have like afternoon sessions as well and i'm just like oh, i feel so buzzed and energetic in the afternoon Afternoons. and then i have this feeling like oh yeah. if only i felt like this this morning yeah and it's just like oh well, i should have done it. yeah
1: I did that all through COVID, actually, because I was training at home, and I was doing all my sessions in the afternoon, because that just worked out better with the kids and everything being home. Um, But that's exactly what I was feeling, like really sluggish all day, and like, you know, can't be bothered, and then get that big rush of of motivation after my, uh, you know, late session. Yeah. And then I'd be all wired at night time, like ready to charge. Yeah, yeah. But it's night time. Yeah. You know, you can't do as much then. So it's just backwards. Yeah. yeah. So mornings are definitely, you know, get up and just get into it. Don't think about it. Yeah. And I remember like ages ago when I first started getting into like training and stuff. Um and it applies to other things too, but you know when you first start getting into a new habit, you'll often make lots of excuses why you can't. That's the hardest time is those initial period of adjusting to a new habit. And you'll find so many reasons why, nah, I can't do this. I can't fit that in and then no, I've got to do this instead and blah blah blah. And I remember um telling myself all the time, and it sounds really cliche, but that Nike Nike slogan, the yeah. just do it. Yeah. And I wrote that up on my fridge and every time i was thinking about no i can't go to the gym. No, i can't do this i've got to do this instead i just go no just do it
0: yeah yeah
1: <laughs> none of those excuses are good enough just go just shut up and go yeah and so yeah once you get past that then you don't really have to think about it anymore like yeah you know you just go
0: yeah so. it's like what you do speaks so loudly i cannot hear what you say yeah it's a quote that i always i'm like oh I yes. see that. Yeah, yeah, and what you say, what you think, yeah, same yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah, your yeah. actions. Yeah. Mm. Um. Physical one. <laughs> what What's the most entertained you think you've ever been?
1: Hmm. Entertained. Like I immediately think of you know. Live performances and things like that, um, but. Everyday stuff. Okay, a recent example. It's probably not the most entertained I've ever been. Oh, there's okay. I'll, I'll give you two. One of them is a bit more like, oh yes, that's entertaining. The other one's just a simple everyday, <laughs> oh, <yes. laughs> everyday. Thing. Yeah. So the first one was most entertained, in a bigger scale. It was not even big, but you know when I was traveling and there was this bar, um, in Toronto in Canada, and it was a piano bar. So this guy sat at a baby grand piano and built around it was a a bar and, you know, the pub and all that was next to it. And it was like the hotspot for all the, like at that time, the university was right near there. So it was like really packed um, place every Saturday night and everyone would just get drunk and and cram in around this piano bar and anything you requested, he'd just play. He was a bit like, um, he reminded me a bit of Ben Folds, like that kind of. style of a guy I love that music yeah Yeah. but um he'd just play anything like everything from Queen Bohemian Rhapsody to uh, Led Zeppelin or like whatever all right yeah Neil Neil Young and everyone would just be singing at the top of their lungs and having a great time singing along so that was probably the most like entertaining experience that I had because it was just so fun and you were like you were right in the middle of it all and inclusive yeah yeah everyone's involved and but at the same time he's performing and, you know, he was an amazing pianist. So you'd yeah. sort of be like, Wow, he can play anything. Yeah, you know. Awe. Yeah. Oh, that's like, awesome. He, I really respect him. What if he's still there? I don't think he is. I did a recent search when I did this little looking back on my experiences week um recently. I yeah, I did a quick search on him and I don't think he's still playing there. It was a long time ago. But yeah, he was just awesome.
0: Yeah. Um, Maybe on to bigger, better things, you know? Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I think
1: he was a vocal coach as well. Like, he was right into music. He yeah, had all, right. the, all different bands and stuff going, but yeah. that was like the thing he was known for. He was the piano man. Oh,
0: that's cool.
1: And yeah, we'd play like Billy Joel and everyone would just be woo, you know, like, yeah, just good times. Awesome. Um, so that was probably the most like exciting, entertaining, other than, you know, big scale concerts and stuff. They're always yeah amazing. Um but then just everyday stuff was, like, just the other day, um, Elkie and Ari, my little ones, they were out the back. You know them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. Yeah. Other people don't know them. Yeah, yeah. So they're, um, they're eight and six now. Ari's six next week. And they were sitting out in the back and I was working out. This was during the COVID lockdown. I was working out outside under the veranda and they were sitting up in the backyard on their little... Um, camping chairs yeah. in their dressing gowns, and it's in the afternoon, like around three or four, and they had a drink, like they'd poured themselves a little, a little cup of juice or something to take out there, and they were sitting out there. And I don't know if you've seen, well, you have seen Kath and Kim, yeah. So in the in the closing <laughs> scenes of Kath and Kim. When they sit out the back and they have their little wine o'clock yeah they sit out and have a fag and <laughs> yeah. and have a wine <laughs> so they were doing that but just out in the backyard oh. and they were trying to have this conversation like they were really grown up like really adult <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's so good and i
1: didn't realize what they were doing and then i just looked up and saw them just having this little chat and sitting there on their chairs i was like that's Oh, that's classic did I they have the stick
0: in their out too like taking the smoke <laughs>
1: they didn't quite get to the smoke oh, but on. they had the wine you know the pseudo wine kind of happening oh it was great I was like they yeah I love that so funny how they take on that stuff without oh, you yeah. realising I
0: remember doing the same kind of stuff it's just <laughs> like how many
1: times have we watched Kath and Kim probably too many yeah <laughs> they are like ah oh, we should cut back they've, they've grown up on they're becoming them yeah they are they yeah. just embody it so yeah, yeah that was great
0: oh that's awesome <laughs> Um, What do you most fear?
1: Oh, fear. Hmm. That's... These are tricky. Tricky questions. I don't think about my fears too often, but probably... I guess you fear more as as I get older. Like, I used to fear things like failure or, you know, what if this doesn't work and that kind of stuff. Now I kind of know... Like, I've got a pretty good sense of myself that, okay, if this doesn't work out, I'm going to be fine. Mm. Like, I'll be all right. Like, okay, it'll suck for a while, but I'll be all right. I think the things that I fear more now are to do with, like, relationships, like interpersonal stuff with people that you care about. Like, you sort of think, well, what if that person wasn't there anymore? What if you lost that connection with someone or... Um, I guess what it comes back to is probably a fear of feeling isolated that that's probably more scary for me that feeling of mm. not not feeling connected or not feeling like you've got your people that you can sort of count on I yeah. suppose and fortunately like I haven't had too many times where I've felt that way but there have been times where I've you know felt as we do like you can feel really alone sometimes if you're going through something that not many other people are going through at that time or yeah um yeah so i would say that fear fear of loneliness i suppose or being disconnected would be a bigger fear for me now
0: and what's like a good kind of fix to that
1: uh, well you know i guess the you know obviously like just staying in touch with people and making sure that you're available for people that you care about too. Mm. Because I think for a while what can happen when you're working really hard or whatever, you're trying to get to whatever you're doing, you know, um, I've been through stages where you just won't see people. Like you'll just be so head down bum up, you know, got your routine, you got your week all scheduled out and before you know it, it'll be months before you have talked to someone or you've seen that person or, and so connections can, without you realizing, can drop away quite easily,
0: Yeah.
1: unless you're maintaining them and staying in touch and all that kind of stuff. And I don't think I noticed it as much, you know, when I was that little bit younger and you've got all that free time, you can go out and spend with your friends and you've got no commitment, you know, not as many commitments. But I think as you get that, you know, with families and all those responsibilities that come with that... Um, it can, yeah you it can you can get very stuck in your own little space, yeah so I guess just making sure like you do reach out to people you know and and keep those connections going as much as you can, yeah I mean all my friends now have got kids, so i I was one of the first of my friends to have my children, so my kids are a lot older now than. All my friends have got little babies. Yeah. Um, so we're going through different things at different times of our lives. So that's kind of meant that at times we haven't always had a lot in common to be coming back to, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Like they're going through baby stage, I'm going through, you know, Eva's in high school next year. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like just making sure that I still reach out to them and say, Look, I'm here, I'm I'm still, you know, thinking of you and yeah. making time for them is really important.
0: Yeah. And I guess that comes to, like, part of my next question is, like, how do you show people your vulnerability? Is that kind of, like, a way where you kind of put yourself on the table of, like, hey, look, I still think about you? Mm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, like, and and it can be vulnerable because you're sort of admitting, look, I'm sorry, like, all these other things have been going on and I'm sorry if I haven't always put you first or, or made you feel like you're still a big part of my life. Yeah. Because you are. Yeah. You know, and that's vulnerable to say I suppose because there's always that risk that they might not want to stay close to you or yeah they might have moved on and got no
0: yeah (laughs) Yeah. and I can only imagine like if someone that you have felt you um naturally just grew apart from messaged you and just was like hey I really miss you blah 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 yeah and then how do you how do you go Oh, I haven't thought about you in a while. And then how do you just. Oh, you again, yeah. Let them slide. Oh, that's. I haven't thought about you at all. Yeah, we'll catch up, yeah. Yeah, see. And to get, yeah, to. If you got a response that wasn't. But I guess you've got to risk it. Yes. Like, if they say yay or nay, it's it's like, oh, well, I was honest with myself. Yeah. I said, I missed you. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, I don't miss you. Oh, okay. (laughs) Cool. Well, that's a bit of a load off, then I'll stop investing my time in, oh. into wanting to connect again or whatever. Yes. I. Yeah. But and,
1: and sometimes you've got to let things go too. Yeah. And I mean, that happens.
0: And we're so proud, I think, a lot of the time. Mm. That's the worst thing that gets in the way of being vulnerable is just too proud to kind of speak out or like, mm. yeah, say something to a friend that you might not want to say because of how it will make you look. It's like, oh, it's a weak thing to do. Or, oh. Yeah,
1: I don't want to be seen as the needy person. Yeah, needy needs, person. Who needs your friendship when you're completely fine
0: yeah. without it. <laughs> but then, ex- exactly, Same. yeah. If, if their response isn't in, like, coalition with what you're saying, it's like, yeah. oh, well, you've changed a lot. or oh, Yeah. You know?
1: And, I mean, there are some times where you, where you do, you change, and everyone does. So yeah. you might have less in common with some people than you had in pre- in previous times, but... There are those ones who, you know, I can think of a bunch of them that doesn't matter what will happen, They'll always, I'll always know that they're beautiful people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'll if always go, want them in my life in some way. Like
0: Me too, yeah. yeah. A couple of years will go by and I'll still see that old friend and it's just the same. And yeah. it's like, whoa, this is awesome. Yeah. And then it goes to be like another way where it's like, I'd rather be lonely than have toxic, shitty friends. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. like... Being lonely is not that bad. Mm. What's worse is having toxic people in your life that will poison your thoughts and yeah. put you down subtly. You know, yep. like poo-poo on your dreams and
1: oh, and there's you know, I mean, I can't really say. Luckily, I haven't had too many experiences like that, but like I've realised that more lately, and I've been conscious of that more lately is that you choose. You know, you, you're choosing the people that you spend time with. Mm. So if it applies to relationships as in romantic connections, then it's the same thing with friendships like you're not going to spend time with people who bring you down or who aren't really happy to see you doing well or' yeah. really happy for your whatever you're doing that That's what I yeah have sort of realized, yeah but fortunately, yeah, I think I'm in a good place where most of the people that i you know that I'm close to they they're good solid people yeah exactly (laughs) and they want to be there and they you know they're happy for you if you're doing something and vice versa i want to be there for them so yeah yeah i feel like i'm sort of circling around but yeah i think friendships are pretty important oh yeah yeah relationships
0: definitely i definitely need to put more attention into my friendships
1: oh i think yeah everyone seems to go through phases where it's less of a priority just because you yeah you get wrapped up in other stuff
0: yeah mm um, do you have any profound experiences that you would like to share?
1: Profound.
0: Yeah.
1: Ooh. Um. Off the top of my head, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, like other than uh, like obvious ones for any mum would be the first time you you know have a baby or something, and that was pretty profound. Yeah. <laughs> but that's probably pretty. That's a universal type of thing. Um, but it is. It is really profound. Like it's the first time. I'm just... Yeah. I don't know why that... That was the first thing that came to my head. No, yeah. I mean, it's definitely... Well, I don't have a
0: kid, so it's definitely something I'm very curious about. Mm. So if you could explain it to someone who hasn't had a kid, what... I don't know. How could you?
1: Because I guess, like, for me, like, when I had Eva, because she's now nearly 12, 12 tomorrow. um, Tomorrow? Tomorrow.
0: Cool. I have to come back. Yeah. So (laughs)
1: she's pretty excited. But, yeah, I mean, I was 21 when I fell pregnant with her. So at that time in my life, I hadn't even thought about having kids at all, like it wasn't even on my agenda, you know, Mm. I thought I'd be one of these later 30s type of mums, Um, I never anticipated it being when it was, Yeah. so, and I didn't think I was overly maternal either, like, in my pre, you know, before I had any of my own babies, I wasn't one of those people who was always gushing over other people's babies, Yeah. Um, I liked kids, and I loved kids, I remember, you know, playing with you guys and you were that bit younger than me, so I love playing with younger kids, but I didn't necessarily love babies. Yeah. So when I had my own, um, I was just really amazed how immediately, you know, all that just changed and you know, you it's just a, it's an amazing feeling, like, the love that you feel yeah. for your babies. And, yeah, I was overwhelmed by that. Yeah. I didn't think I had it in me like that, but I did.
0: Yeah. See, that is profound. And
1: we were really, like, honestly, like, Eva and I, we were just joined at the hip. Like, she, she was never off me for, you know, the first six months of her life or something. I was just carrying it everywhere. And yeah, wow. I just loved it. Yeah. Yeah. So that was profound because I didn't expect to feel so much love. Yeah. And... You know, that's what I... Yeah, it's beautiful. I'm yeah. very glad that that happened.
0: That's cool. Yeah. But that much love, it was like... You're like, oh, no, I was capable of that. I know. Where did that come Just, from? Yeah. That's, that's a you. good. That's a good surprise. Yeah. Um. Besides... Oh, no, yeah. Well, What's some great advice that you were given that you can continue to, like, reverberate within? Um,
1: I'm trying to think. For some reason, advice... And it can be like directly
0: or indirectly given. Yeah, okay.
1: One thing Dad always said to me when I was little, and I think like it sounds really simple, but it just, it does ring true. Um, I remember if I was trying to do something and I, I'd say to him, oh, I can't do it, you know, no, just can't do it. He'd always said, he must have said it to me a hundred times as I was growing up. There's no such word as can't. And I used to argue with him and be like, what? (laughs) (laughs) What are you talking about? Of course there is. I can't do it. And he'd just say to me, there's no such word as can't. Don't tell me that you can't do it. And like dad wasn't tough or anything like that in any other way. He was so passive and soft and lovely and, you know, but he just sort of um, gave me that idea that it's all in your head. Mm. If you're telling yourself that you can't do something, you've already lost the battle. Yeah you know, it, so what we think we can do, is it's, it's completely up to your own thinking and your own uh, way of conceptualizing something, um, and I wouldn't have read into it that deeply when I was young, I just thought it was just a play on words, but...
0: Yeah, but obviously it, it did, it stuck with you because it annoyed you, yeah, like, well, what, a, what are a you word, talking about why would the word... Yeah, even... I can
1: use that word, yeah, why can't yeah. I use can't, Yeah. you know, you can't, there's no such word as can't. Yeah. So if I was trying something, I think, it, like now that I'm thinking about it, I think it brings your attention to when you are trying to do something that's out of your comfort zone and you're telling yourself you can't do it, you've, you're already defeating yourself in the process. Like yeah. you've, um, whereas if you sort of focus on, well, what can I do? How can I get around this? And just reframing it. I think that helps. Yeah. And I mean, there's been a lot of circumstances, I suppose, where that's been the case. I've, you know, outwardly, I might have thought, oh no, this is too difficult. I just, no, nah, I can't do this anymore. It's too much. But then when you step back and think about it and reprocess it or you find little ways to tweak and to work around stuff. Yeah. And, oh no, I could do this actually. Yeah, I could make that work.
0: Yeah. Actually,
1: I could fit that into that time or whatever. Like, I don't
0: know. have to go at it head on. I yeah. can work around it. Around it. it or you know,
1: find a way to get through it.
0: Like there's another, this this is blocked. There's another path up the mountain. Yeah. It just might take a bit longer. Yeah, but that's yeah.
1: it. So I think that's been a good good one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't think of it all the time, but I do occasionally just think, no, that's... Yeah, and that's where... I think that's where it comes from, obviously, because he used to say to me all the time. Um, and he wasn't one for giving out big words of wisdom. Like, he was he was kind of just happy to let me cruise and do my thing. But that was one thing he always said. Yeah. So, you know, you hear of some parents who have got all these advice. Like... See, I like that. And then that
0: probably came from <laughs> somewhere up his family tree yeah, as well. Yeah,
1: I think one of his pops, he said, used to say that to him. Yeah. When he was a little boy. Yeah. That's
0: wicked. Yeah. you gotta pass it on I know it's a
1: good one so
0: um what's a thing that you feel called to Mm,
1: feel called to um who I don't know I think at the moment obviously like where I'm working and stuff um I'm looking at how people that have seemingly come from inequitable positions can still have opportunity and still you know fulfill their own potential in whatever way they choose to so I I guess that's where I'm I feel that that's where I'm called to is to uh, I don't want to say the underdog but to help people come through education because that's my field um from circumstances that might be troubling or you know difficult where normally we think oh that's must be so hard but still find a way to get through and and realize their potential I suppose
0: yeah
1: um so I guess yeah definitely in that space in equity and education is where I'm sort of I feel that's where my calling is but any form of equity like I find that um at the moment my work's on indigenous education and sort of reframing how we think about that whole closing the gap agenda in education, which is pretty massive. Um, I'm trying to reframe that as a different way of thinking about it. Um, But other, other things that come to mind are, like, you go through uni and you see the you know, like like myself, like the single mums going through uni that are still studying with five kids at home and yeah. or people who've come from other circumstances that are also challenging that have meant that they've had to start on the back foot, yet they've still managed to push through and do what they're doing. So I think just finding ways of making things more equitable for people is is my calling. And I wouldn't have thought that because I had this real cruisy kind of childhood really cruisy I mean I never had any issues at home when I was growing up it was it was all nice and sweet and we had a beautiful family and all that kind of thing I was pretty fortunate but some of the experiences I've had as an adult of struggle and of having to push through difficult times and having to find emotional strength when it completely is gone like though I think some of that's kind of helped me be more empathetic to people who have had to push through some challenges yeah and I'm not saying that I can understand where everyone's coming from. I haven't been through some, you know, some of the really tough experiences that people, that people have had. But I think I've experienced enough obstacles now to sort of know that, yeah, it's a massive thing for some people just to get in the door, just to get to where they're, you know, to work or to, to uni or whatever they're doing. It's yeah. a huge thing.
0: And it usually is just that showing up.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, the hardest thing just to put themselves in that space yeah and go I'm, I'm a player here i'm going to try this out yeah and overcoming all the things that have held them back and you see so many inspiring people you know just doing that yeah you think wow like you've come through so much
0: well it's like being a single mom would have to be one of the challenge most challenging things you could do it's like what can't you do if you can do that <laughs>
1: Well, there's, I gonna, there's not much left. I that's... try to tell myself that. But in saying that, I've, as, as I said, I had the foundation of a beautiful, solid, loving home environment when I was a kid. Mm. And that speaks volumes. Like if you've had that security and that sense of value and worth growing up, that holds you through, I think, a lot of those really tough times. Yeah, so, you know, then if you meet with obstacles and challenges, you've got that, what would you say? I know you've just got a stronger foundation to, to work from. But I'm talking about, like, people who haven't had that necessarily or who might have had something really big they had to get through as a kid or, you know, those sorts of people that don't have that to fall back on, yet they still find strength from somewhere. Yeah. Those people are just amazing. Like, I, I just don't know how they do it.
0: Yeah, there are some people I just... I just, that boggle my mind. Mm. Right. I can't fathom where it comes from. Yeah. Where they haven't had a strong upbringing. Yeah. And they, I don't know, somehow they've just continued to push through and find this strength. Yeah. Just, it like, just hey, comes oh. from inside. Like yeah. completely
1: them, like their unique self. Yeah.
0: Something deep, so deep so within strong. just goes, just snaps one day and it goes, no, I'm yeah. going to carry me through this. And yes. This, this. Yeah. Whereas I think some people can become dependent on external kind of influences Mm. and it's good to have support Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day it's all what's going on inside Mm. it's just yeah those people I don't get them yeah I need to sit one of them down too
1: and I mean like from my perspective because I'm in education I'm looking at how we can make it more equitable for a lot of different groups of students and so one of them um that's often targeted in policy and stuff is like low socioeconomic Okay, so typically they're underperforming in education, and that's no secret. Like this is on our all of our NAPLAN results, everything. Um, And so how that's framed is that, oh, okay, uh, kids from low socioeconomic um, status they might have more obstacles to deal with, and therefore they're on the back foot as they go through their education. They don't have the same um, necessarily support to get through their education like other, you know, other families might. Yeah. And that's how we're looking at it. But what I'm trying to look at things, how I try to look at things is, well, what like, what strengths do they bring to the table? Like when they come to school, what, what have they learnt as part of their experience that other people haven't? Yeah. Who haven't had to deal with those obstacles that they've had, you know? And so trying to reframe it from what strengths do they have to offer other people rather than, oh, how are we going to help them reach our level?
0: Yeah, that and, sort of agenda. And what have you found?
1: Well, I haven't personally found anything in that regard because my project's more about, like, Indigenous education and policy and stuff. But what, what I do know is that there's not a lot of research that looks at that particular perspective of what mm. strengths do they have to bring. I mean, I can give you an example Often kids from, say, a single parent family, they might have more responsibilities. Yeah. Okay. So I've got, you know, I've got friends who their kids. They might be in year six or seven at school. They're getting themselves to school. They're packing their lunches. They're doing everything themselves pretty much because mum's got to go to work and there's no one else there that can do that at that time. That's yeah. just how they have to roll. So they grow up with this really streetwise kind of sense of themselves mm. as well. They're out in the world. They're fending for themselves more. And other families might look at that as, oh, what a how 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 terrible!
0: Yeah, you know?
1: how could you do that to your kids and put that pressure on them? So I of dare for... they have
0: more independence. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So
1: often that's seen as a deficit. Like, oh, they've had to look after themselves. They've had to defend for themselves and all of this. But mm. but quite often, what like I think what happens is those kids have actually got a lot of strengths that aren't. Being acknowledged, yeah. in the schooling system. So yeah, they, they come to school.
0: They're told you've got a deficit. You've got a deficit. Yeah, I'll
1: pull like, you. Oh, I you've got to do really it much. all yourself. Oh,
0: and then that that'll sink into them as well. like, like yeah. oh, well, Okay, I thought yeah. I was doing okay, or yeah. yeah. So
1: they've actually, you know, the way I'm trying to look at things like that is, well, no, they've they've got strengths that other other people don't have. Yeah. So how can we sort of bring that more into our System of education and acknowledge that instead yes. of just talking about, oh, they're so far behind in their maths and blah blah blah, and oh, they're not reaching the same outcomes as
0: it's like, yeah, perhaps their priorities are more than just I've got to do maths homework. It's like, well, I've got to home, go home and wash my shit,
1: yes, yeah. Like, so,
0: maths is pretty irrelevant to me because it doesn't help me wash my shit and cook my own dinner, yeah. Like, they're mature in mm-hmm. like yeah whereas some kids are just behind learned. yeah do I do? panicking know? yeah yeah, that's really, but yeah see they've evolved already past a lot of people on a lot of different levels yeah and i
1: think like um in some cases i mean i don't know i'm not talking from any expertise with this but i think in a lot of cases it might be that their emotional intelligence is actually pretty good you know yeah. like they've had to be strong and resilient
0: self-reliant yeah and
1: um and had their shit together I suppose to deal with whatever they've got to deal with I mean I'm not, not excusing things like abuse and stuff like that it's not yeah. what I'm talking about but it's just just generally that more responsibility and not seeing things that we might normally see as a deficit yeah. seeing them as strengths
0: yeah. yeah, I think maybe the reason they do kind of fall on the outside is because they wouldn't have much in common with other kids as well because mm-hmm. how do you kind of exactly talk to a kid that's got the xbox the computer yes, the, Fox got all the latest things got all the shit goes yeah. home and does nothing all day and yep. they've got to communicate to that kid like what do they yep. have in common and yep. it's like yeah
1: yeah it can be it can be challenging so. and then they
0: kind of are shunned from the group they do kind of this is where the, the negatives are where they they are kind of bullied or pushed to the side and they do kind of go introverted and they. Mm yeah
1: in di- yeah in different circles they can be yeah yeah so yeah i guess that's you know kind of back to the calling question i think like i've i i feel like i've got a lot of empathy for different different stories i suppose yeah different people's cir- circumstances and things that have happened um i've always had like a lot of empathy for that and i guess that comes from as I said, not so much my own upbringing, but things I've seen and people I've known, um, even some of my family, you know, family history as well, just knowing what people in my family have been through. Yeah. Um, it kind of just makes me a bit more open to different people's
0: yeah, cause stories. Yeah, because often we're just like, oh, there's something wrong with that person. Someone, It's like we don't ask why. Yeah. It's just...
1: Understanding why. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And being like, oh, wow, they handled that really well, mm. like considering mm, what exactly. happened. Exactly.
1: Considering all the stuff I had to deal with, they've yeah. done an amazing job mm. and I find that like some of the people I'm closest to that I just respect so much and adore is you know partly because of that because I think wow like you've i don't know what I would have done if I had those experiences when you did as a, as a young adult or a child or whatever, and they've still come out just so resilient,
0: yeah, you know and I think it's it's like the I've heard a saying where it's just It's not that you'd wish any of these experiences upon your worst enemies, but Mm. you're still grateful for them happening to you because of what they have shown you about yourself. Yes. I think a lot of people go through so much suffering, but it kind of breaks through the door of what they're really capable of, Mm -hmm. or it just, yeah.
1: Mm. One of the most amazing speeches I heard was um, at uni was this fella who'd come from i'm pretty sure it was Sudan um and he'd been a child soldier, and so he'd been taken away from his family when he was six and made to kill people mm. and then he um I think he was saved by UNESCO when he was about twelve or something, um and him and his brother got pulled out and put up with a family in Sydney, I think. But he just talked about all the things that he went through when he was in Australia and he came here. All the things he went through to put himself through his education. He did like a law degree, so he's a lawyer now and and he's a lawyer for human rights in Sydney. But the stuff he had to do to get that was just incredible. Like he was sleeping in his car, working three jobs... Like, studying his butt off and having to learn English, you know. God. Um Just, you'd think, like, knock back after knock back after knock back. Yeah. But he was still, when he stood on that stage, he said, I did not care what I had to go through. I was not in danger. I was in a safe place. I was in a country where I don't have to worry about getting shot or,
0: yeah.
1: you know, what's coming at me from behind or whatever. So he said, "I did not care if I had to sleep in my car every night. I was, I was living the dream. Yeah, that was his living the dream. You know,
0: that's something that we don't recognise about like refugees and stuff. It's like Mm. we need those people here. Yeah, they are strong. They are so strong. Get them in here because they will change this country for the better, and they will show us this incredible forbearance and Mm. just ah." And his,
1: like, his empathy was next level, like, and his humanity, because he was, you know, he came out of that experience and put himself through all this education and he's now helping people for free, um, to get through their, you know, their law dilemmas and things. I think he works a lot with refugees, um... And he was like one of the ambassadors for Western University of Western Sydney. There was an ad with him on it and it was amazing. I can't remember um, when that was, but I remember they just seeing this ad with him, thinking, Oh, that's that guy that I saw yeah. talking. Um, but yeah, just just the comparison of you know, what we take for granted as just normal. Yeah. He was saying, No, this is like an opportunity of a lifetime.
0: Yeah.
1: So it kinda makes you feel like, yeah. Yeah, we're pretty lucky where we are. It's
0: funny because I've got some um, Sudanese friends as well. And I remember I always just just love hanging out with them because they are just that different energy. Mm. There's some like constant ease with them mm-hmm.
1: yeah where they're like
0: really man, calm and like today is just a blessing yeah because of what i've been through mm-hmm. you have no idea mm. and i'd always spearing i'm just like you know i remember just we'd go to the gym together all the time mm. and like not only physical ridiculous strength they have their inner strength is just like absurd yeah i just remember yeah it was always it was like taking a soul shower whenever i'd hang out with them i'd just feel like
1: i oh have been oh, uplifted really? yeah
0: like <laughs> Just, you, the just world feel, is a beautiful place. you just feel brighter and they're just so positive. Everything's awesome. Like yeah. oh so interesting.
1: And one thing that this guy did say, he was writing a letter to the previous um what would you say, president of his country? I don't know if it is a president there. But he says writing a letter to the president and this man was responsible for um whoever it was, for this army that he'd been involved in as a child. He was responsible for all this violence and this horrible thing, horrible things that were going on in his country. Um, And he wrote him a letter as an adult, as a lawyer. And I think he sent him a pen, a Parker pen. Mm -hmm. And in the letter, he said to him something like, our problems need to be solved by pen, not by guns. But I thank you. And he was thanking this man who'd been responsible for his turmoil for the trauma that he endured he was saying thank you thank you for this experience and I was like "How? how do you get to that level where where you're able to do that and wholeheartedly mean it wow he's like I'm so grateful that I had that experience
0: I want to meet this guy (laughs) just amazing I wish
1: I got his yeah wish I got in touch or something like he's just incredible I love hearing stories like that. It yeah. Just makes you think, oh, we can do anything. We yeah. can do anything. If we put our mind to it, like you can, there is no boundary to what you can do.
0: And there's no excuse now. Like there's technology, no. you can put these videos on every morning. Yeah. And just pump them. Mm-hmm. That's what I try and do anyway. Like get these people on. Like as soon as I can in the morning, I'm yes. hungry for it. Yeah. I'm like, come on.
1: Do you, do you listen to podcasts and things? Oh, constantly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a, yeah.
0: I'm a freak. Yeah, they're great. Wayne Dyer on, you know, yeah. we're Wayne Dyer fans, Louise Hayes, of uh-huh. course.
1: Oh, he was, and it's funny because now when I listen to a lot of newer podcasts, um, and great, like awesome motivational people, but a lot of the things that they say, I think, oh yeah, Wayne Dyer was saying this like 20 years ago. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. It's still the same thing. That's what
0: all we do. That's all I do. It's just
1: repackaged. It's just regurgitation, you might call it. Yeah. Yeah, It all comes back again.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I know you got an appointment. So That's all good. you're going to thank probably you. be late for it. That's, <laughs> I'm no, I won't be late. <laughs> it's all good. I'll yeah. speak. But yeah, thank you. That was a bloody awesome conversation. Ah, thanks. Thank yeah. you very much. And good questions. Oh, you yeah. know, again, regurgitation. <laughs> <laughs> all where, right.
1: where did you get the questions from, actually? like how did you I've just collected them? them over yeah. a little while. That's yeah. what I was interested in when I was listening to your other ones. I was like, how did you come up with these questions? They're yeah. really good.
0: Oh, thank you.
1: Like, nice. They get people talking about really yeah. varied things, but you know nice depth
0: (laughs) all right very cool until next time Mm -hmm.